So what's up? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, yo. I had like four hours of sleep. I got a clearance bottle of mochaccino milk. I'm good to go. We could have done this another time. I gave you... <laughs> No, listen, the four hours sleep, that's my fault. You could have gotten out of this, Mrs. Streamer woman. I gave you all the options. I had the options and I chose not to take them. It's going to be worth it. Trust. Trust. Uh, Do you want to play that intro song? Uh, Normally we preamble for a little more. (laughs) But we can if you want. Sure, hit that shit. all a dream but maybe not podcast is that what is that what you think the evil within is i've I've, i watched a let's play the the evil within one a long time ago like i watched the best friends play it like shortly after that game came out in what 2015 yeah yeah i watched that let's play as it was coming out which is like right after the release of the game and i don't remember too much about it there was a guy named ruvik i think that's correct yep ruvik is here there was a little, a uh, uh, little pale-faced business boy, who also who might have also been Ruvik, but it might have been an alternate personality. And it was nope. Like in- that was also definitely Ruvik. Okay, great, great memory. Yep. You've got you've got this sorted so far. Okay, um, you got Sebastian Seb Stan. Seb no, Stan. Seb, Seb Stan's the actor. Seb, Sebastian. Wait, no. Hmm. Who's the actor? Who's the guy who plays Captain America? Or who's the guy who played Winter Soldier? I don't I know. Is, I don't watch Marvel movies. Are you fucking kidding me? But I can Seth, I can swear on the show, right? Yeah, you can say you please please be my fucking guest. Oh, thank God. Um, what uh, what what was the uh, what was the main character's name? It was Sebastian something. Uh, Seb- Sebastian Castiano. Castellanos, yes. There was a guy voiced by uh, what's his name? The I cannot remember this guy's name. It's not. It's not Johnny Young Bosch. It's um, who's the, who played the glasses guy in that game? Is it like Yuri this, Lowenthal? Yes, yes Yuri it's Lowenthal. Yuri That's Lowenthal. Thank you. That's right. Yuri Lowenthal yeah. plays Joseph Oda, who is also Joseph very Oda. cool. And then there's okay. a girl cop, and it's all Nicole it, Kidman. It's, it's all like in someone's like paprika esque dream sharing zone. Kinda. So. Y- yeah, we've got some then, we've got some stuff then, to cover. So yeah. welcome to and the then, evil within. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then well, first first we we have we have to do our we have to do our stuff on this show. You're not taking. Oh this God. Over. Yeah. Sorry. I'm not. I'm not the one driving the show. You are. I should let you drive. Oops. We have to go. We have to go to upcominghorrormovies.com and look at what the news is coming up for horror movies. Now uh, I did hear that Killer Sofa was a was a film that was being released. <laughs> Which um, did amuse me very much. 
Yeah, uh, that was the last one I heard with uh, with Blue, whose episode was really great on Paranormal Activity. You should go listen to it. It was a good episode. Um, it was a really good episode. Not too much on the cover of UpcomingHorrorMovies.com. Um, there is the sequel to Zombieland uh, that has been rated R. Does that technically count as horror? I guess it does. I guess like it's a, it's a it's, it's a it's a it's a horror movie in the same way that Shaun of the Dead is a horror movie. In that there's like horrifying things, but also it's a comedy. Come on. Yeah, it's a horror comedy. It's a horror comedy that leans heavily on like it's a comedy movie set in a with it's a comedy movie set in a horror universe. I think that works as a description for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters 2020. Ernie Hudson has confirmed that he'll be in the movies. So the 2016 Ghostbusters is getting completely retconned out of existence. Which I think we already knew that based on the sheer, sheer existence of Ghostbusters 2020, and then distancing themselves from that. But it's still disheartening because I liked that movie and I liked the director's cut of that movie a lot more. Yeah, I like that movie for what it is. Um, if you, have you seen the director's cut of it? I haven't seen the director's cut. I've only seen the original. I normally, um, I, I normally don't have this strong of an opinion about the director's cut, but the director's cut is like, it feels like a wildly different movie. There is like 15 or so minutes of extra footage and there's also like things rearranged like Kristen Wiig's character in the in the director's cut she has a boyfriend who's a piece of shit to her and he's he's got like 10 minutes of screen time completely axed from the movie and i think that like that is a f- interesting character that they just axed and i don't know the the the, huh. the theatrical cut of that movie i think is not great i think it's still a fun movie in spite of it but i think if you're going to watch that movie i'd recommend the director's cut that that's interesting i had no idea yeah should I, um, I just realized in the process of like stumbling over every goddamn thing in this podcast, I didn't introduce myself, did I? And I should probably do that. You have a thing that first time guests do. Would you yeah. like to remind everyone? Well, first, of, first of all, I'm Sarah and this Oh God, is... we've got, we fucked up so much. <laughs> this is front of the podcast, Jess. Hello. Uh, I am Jessica. Um, I um I, I had a moment of minor panic there because I you like I, I don't like I in my head you are TLQT which is your Twitter handle and like I thought for a second like I was just like oh fuck that that Jess is her name right yeah it is my name don't worry cool. about it. I had like a moment of panic as soon as it left you know, my you, you, you did not fuck that up my name is Jessica I use she yeah. her pronouns Excellent. I am I am like been friends with sarah for years and uh besides that i work with the obs project and and you also work with hrg yes and i also work with hrg esports hormone replacement gaming yeet um uh, so what's your so history here... with horror movies and what is my history with also? horror movies great because question. i actually um I, that's actually a question but i'm actually appending end games to that because this is a video game and I have to ask myself that question when you're done, because I've not talked about my history with horror games sure. before. Um, so my history with horror is one that is very brief. Um, like Blue, I'm very, very squeamish and easy to freak out. And I, I've kind of, like, over time sussed out why. Um, like, watching stuff like The Walking Dead was kind of my first exposure to, like, Oh, this is the why of why I actually am like squeamish. It's like, it's it's the human element. It's the, like, I guess you don't like you don't like seeing people bodies get fucked up. Sus- it's more it's more sustained human distress. 
Mm, like okay. The Walking Dead has a lot of really sustained human distress where something like Dead Space does not. Um with the exception of like certain sequences in Dead Space 2 that I'm sure you you know what I'm referencing when I say that. Oh yeah. I um <laughs> everyone talks about that scene as like a, a major like they stop playing the game moment and like I totally get it. I 100% understand. And also, that was like... I, I remember watching my friend play that game, and he got to that scene, and I was like, this fucking rules. <laughs> I think I think it, it, I think it does... I think it does what a lot of other horror media can, it fails to do, which is like, a lot of other horror mo- media builds like the dread of like not knowing where something is or seeing some shadows or like things, but like that is a dread where like the horror is dead front and center, and it is one of the... It is one of, if not the most terrifying things in the entire Dead Space franchise, and I fucking love it. It's 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 broadly, it's well lit, it's in the middle of daylight, there are no monsters around, and it is the scariest thing in the game, and I fucking love it. Yeah, it's it's really great at, like, putting the <laughs> to be, to light cla- on... To clarify, I suppose we should clarify, because people who've never played Dead Space 2 do not know what we're talking about, most likely. There is a scene in that game where you have to... Uh, take control of the where where you have to uh, insert a needle into the uh, uh, protagonist's eye. Isaac Clark was it? Yep, that's correct. Uh, Isaac's eye, and uh, you have control of the needle as it goes in, and you have to like you 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 just like have to make sure that his eye is not like one iota out of place as it goes down, because otherwise you completely just kill his ass. And it is so tense and scary, and I love it. Yeah, it's it's this it like it really shows off a lot of the potential of horror games, which is kind of like why I I'm more into those types of games rather than horror movies. Like my history with horror movies is uh, extremely limited, to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's only been within the past five years or so that I've watched stuff like Alien for the first time. That's it's really good. Like I, I kind of am picking up on the classics okay. as as I've gone. So like, Alien was one. Um, Halloween the thing sure. is on my list. Halloween, Halloween probably not, probably not on my list. But I know it's it's well liked. That's um, that's fair. It is a very distressing human and distressing movie. Yep. So probably not for me. No, thank you. That's fair. So what what was your history with horror games? Because you said you hadn't talked about that before on the show. I, I think I may have in passing, but like my history with horror games in particular is a pretty spotty one. Um, I didn't. I was terrified of. I was scared shitless of pretty much everything horror until I was like twenty one, twenty two. There was one exception to that though, which is that I picked up Resident Evil four when I was young, and that was like I guess that was like my first gateway into horror as a genre. We are going to be um, talking a lot about Resident Evil 4, so strap yeah. yourself in for that. Yeah, um, same director on this game, right? Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons that... That's one of the things I'm going to talk about a little later. So continue, continue on, and we will get back to more Resident Evil 4. Um, I bought Amnesia, and then I played, like, uh, 20 minutes of it, and I was like, I'm too scared! And then I tried doing that. I tried playing Amnesia again, like, six months ago, and I was still like, it's scary! Because... Amnesia: The Dark Descent is a scary video game. So I yeah, I, the reason that that game works so well is because it doesn't have like you don't have anything to fight back with. Yeah. In horror games like Dead Space and The Evil Within and Resident Evil, there is something for you to 
you know, actually have power over the situation and you can fight back against the thing. And amnesia, the, the thing finds you, you're dead. That's yeah. it. You cannot fight it. You have to hide um, or die. Even alien isolation. Like it's hide or die, bro. The early you moments. hide or you die. Yeah. Uh, even alien isolation, especially in the early moments, is kind of like playing on that tension. But eventually you get stuff like a flamethrower that kind of just removes it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue. Continue. You were talking about horror games. Uh, I don't really have too much experience outside of those two, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, okay. I... I uh... I have always had a fascination with PT, but I could never... T I mean, even if I could legally... Even if I could obtain it, I would never touch it because me big scaredy. Um, but uh, uh, there's one more that I'm trying to think of that I cannot remember that I really liked. Another good horror game. Resident Evil Revelations was good. I played that game. That was a good game. Um, but... Yeah, aside from those three, not too much experience with horror games. I feel like that's I feel like it's not really much of a genre anymore. Like who what what are horror games? The like horror games these days just feel like extremely either they're either just all indie productions or um or Resident Evil, and I feel like we're not seeing much else. Yeah, like the last kind of survival horror bastions have all kind of disappeared. Yeah, um, honestly, and yeah, so we we have like Resident Evil, and we also have um, the Evil Within. Um, we do have the Evil Within. Evil Within is now has two entries, and it is now a franchise. It is a franchise now. Yeah, we're not gonna, we're not going to talk too much about the Evil Within two. I'm going to mm -hmm. focus on the Evil Within one. The Evil Within yes. two does do some cool stuff. Um, like it manages to combine horror and the open world and it manages to do that in ways that are effective um, so that's that's really interesting just from a like pure game design perspective but uh, I'm gonna be focusing on the first entry um, talking about the talking about this first I'm also not going to spoil all that much until we reach kind of near the end of this discussion at which uh -huh. point I will put down a major spoiler warning and I will begin to ruin every single thing in the evil within. So, you can come into this with no knowledge. Directed by one, uh, is it was it Shinji Mikami on this one, or am I? It is Shinji Mikami. Yes, that's Shinji correct. Shinji Mikami, Mr. Shadows of the Damned himself. So I I want to get to Shinji Mikami, but do you mind if I start somewhere else first? You may start somewhere else. I would like to talk about how Bethesda failed the evil within. Um, that's kind of that's kind of where I want to start. A lot of people may have given this game a pass because Bethesda failed it in a pretty major way. Um, particularly Bethesda, around the marketing. Say, I'll fuck your game up in a major way. Yeah. Um, around the marketing and a lot of the imagery and stuff that's used. It's just so unrelated to anything within the actual game. Like you, you take a look at the the proper front cover, not the alternate front cover, which is much better. The proper front cover has um, Sebastian wrapped in a bunch of barbed wire screaming, and you'd think, oh, this is like a fucking Saw-ass game. Um, no, it's not that. And the trailers also suggest, like... They suggest that this game is a thing that it is not. Um, it's more it, like 
it is influenced by those things. It's it has that like Resident Evil four kind of section. Uh-huh. It has those roots, but it doesn't really have the the sort of pacing or tone or high action, high octane stuff that the um, the trailer suggests. It's just it's it's a betrayal of what I think that makes the game special. Um, so that's that's kind of like a reason that people might have thought, oh, I'm just gonna give this a pass. It doesn't actually look all that good. Uh, it goes a little further beyond that, I think. So Shinji Mikami, whose name we've mentioned a couple times there, uh, Shinji Mikami is the director of Resident Evil 4, uh, which is one of the most beloved kind of survival horror games ever, I would say. Um, you you said you've played Resident Evil 4 a bit, right? Uh, I've, I've finished that game. I've played it okay. multiple times. I like that game a lot. It's definitely, it's possibly, probably in my top ten of all time. Oh, wow. Damn, okay. It, it's a good what video are... game, and I I booted up, I, I pulled out my GameCube because I was, I wanted to learn how to speedrun Tony Hawk's American Wasteland on OG hardware before I decided to emulate it, because streaming purposes, and I don't have an Elgato. Um, but I decided to boot up Resident Evil because I was like, eh, I wonder how this game plays. And then, like, I, like an hour later, I'm like, okay, I have to stop or else I'm going to play for the next five hours and not go to sleep until 3 a.m. God. Um, so Resident Evil 4, like, a lot of the the initial kind of mystique of that of that game, right? It starts in that village section, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Evil Within does not start there, but it does very quickly get there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. Because Evil Within starts, uh, you're in like a police cruiser, right? At the start of the game? That's correct. And you are en route to Beacon Mental Hospital, um, which is, you've been called to the scene of a, a, a series of grisly killings that have occurred there. Um, you walk into the lobby and the body, like there's just bodies and blood everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, it's a bit of a mess. Now, listener, I know what you're thinking. I just said the word mental hospital. I'm talking about horror games, and I'm talking about a game I really like. You might think, huh, hey, wait a second. Doesn't horror and mental illness have a really, really fucking bad relationship? Yes, it does. Um, I am pleased to say that the evil within does not actually succumb to any of that stuff. It is far more interesting. Which is wild because with the way that game starts, like I I like I, I went back and watched the first couple episodes of the the two best friends play of it, and I was I, I they got they like started talking about the mental institution, I was like, it surprises me that they do not fuck that up. It's it's really interesting that they don't fuck it up. It's um, a hard needle of thread. It really is. Um, we'll talk about, we'll, we're going to talk about that a little later as well. Like we're going to talk about kind of the details in which the details in this particulars of how the evil within does not fuck up its relationship with mental health. But for now we start in the mental hospital. Um, Ruvik, uh, who is the antagonist, uh, appears uh, behind us as a mysterious specter. Sebastian, you must solve my cube if you wish to proceed. Great. 
Uh, and and you wake up hanging from a hook in what is what appears to be the basement of the hospital um, as the butcher chops away on some meat. Um, so you've got some like immediate exposure into some very very tropey and like varied horror i would say and it uses it uses these tropes to kind of establish itself as familiar to the player it gives you kind of a sense of the expectations and then it will defy them later um which i think is really interesting um you move through a couple series of like some saw like trap bullshit um which you know it happens um one of the one of the reasons this game was criticized a lot, I think, as well, was because it it's kind of a mishmash of uh, horror things. Like there's yeah. kind of the there's stuff going on from Resident Evil. There's stuff going on from Saw. There's stuff going on from like kind of classic um, Halloween kind of stuff. There's some there's some generational trauma happening. There's a whole mishmash of things going on in the Evil Within. Um. But you get out of you get out of the hospital, and you make your way into the forest, and you encounter the first kind of undead type enemies. Uh huh. And what are, then what are, what you are make the un, your... what are the undead likes in this game? Are they what do they look like? I'm They're not, effectively. I've been, lot, I've been playing a lot of Control, so I'm just kind of like picturing those hiss agents, which is they not are what that is. just undead that um are wrapped up in barbed wire. Okay, that right, right, right. Okay, yes. Yeah. Not not too much specific going on there. They're just all wrapped up in barbed wire. Um there's a it's a bit of symbolism, I think, the barbed wire. Um we'll kind of again, it's it's more stuff that I will get to get to wrapping around to later. Uh-huh. So you encounter you encounter the undead and you walk into, lo and behold, a village. Now that seems familiar. Shinji Mikami is returning to his his horror route here. Almost, it's the thing he's most known for, and the thing that was plastered all over the marketing as well for this game. It was like it's from the director of Resident Evil Four, and sure enough, two chapters in, we here we are referencing Resident Evil Four. Um, we we've come back to that, so it's. It's that sort of thing that is it it kind of honors the horror legacy that the evil within aspires to. Um, it plays into it a bit and it shows like, oh yeah, here's here's the Shinji Mikami stuff you came for. Uh, and then we start getting into the weird shit. And that's that's kind of where this game shines. Um, that weird shit. That weird shit is good, as it turns out. Now, in the process of so, in the process of getting to the village, you meet a patient at the Beacon Mental Hospital, whose name is Leslie. Um, you re- you remember Leslie, right? Leslie was the little white-haired kid, right? Yes, he's the white-haired, um, like young man. Um, and Leslie is Leslie's afraid of something. Something that you, it, and he does alert you to some of the traps that are in the area and gets you familiar with a few of the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Leslie's going to be very important later. Because um, 
the game could very, very easily choose to demonize Leslie. Um, but rather, it starts to take a more interesting approach. Do you remember... Um, so you remember we started in the mental hospital. Yeah. At Beacon Mental Hospital. Is there not, like, parts in, the, in like, the, the transient area that I can't remember the name of where you, like, upgrade your shit and there's, like, just, like, beacons of light just everywhere? Or, like, am I completely misremembering? You are misremembering a little bit. So Beacon Mental Hospital is named such for the big searchlight beacon at the top of its tower. Um... Now, as you, as you move through the areas of the game, you will frequently actually just see that beacon off in the distance, reminding you that it's there and, like, reminding you of where you are trying to get back to. Mm-hmm. Um, because at this point, you are trying to get back to Beacon Mental Hospital to figure out what's going on. Um, you mentioned the safe rooms as well. Um, yes. In, in kind of brief. So I do want to touch on those as well. Um in the process of kind of getting to the hospital, you also have a, um, a variety of safe rooms that you get to, which are yeah. indicated using a little bit of audio um, from Claire de Lune, um, which is a nice classical piece. You can hear it in the distance and it reminds you like, oh, there's there's safety here. Blair, can you do me a favor and put a little bit of Claire de Lune over this, uh, under this, just like very lightly? Thanks, just Blair. yeah, a, a, just a, a smidge of the Claire de Lune. Just a dash, just a just a just a like just like Amarel. Just just put a, a sprinkle of the Claire de Lune, <laughs> please. Uh, do use a the cla- evil a cl- within. Please a, please, a Claire de Lunette. Uh, do use the evil within cut of that though, because that actually is a specific arrangement that was created for the evil within, which uses strings. Um, Claire de Lune is originally a piano-only piece, but uh, the Evil Within's arrangement uses uh, uses strings to great effect. So, um, you got the music that indicates safety, transports you back to the it transports you back to a mental hospital where you can upgrade your abilities, and that same Claire de Lune is playing as you visit there. Very, it's yeah. kind of just chill. You can walk through the lobby. Um, there's a nice nurse. That's all great. Yeah. Um, She's very nice and friendly, and then you go sit in a brain chair. Yep, you go sit in the brain chair, and you get your special abilities. Ah, God. By having it, a good... if, it's good to know that the, the way to upgrade your brain is to just have needles go into your head and splurt some brain juice in there. Just put some put some green goo in there, and you're fine. Put some Trust. green goo in there, and you will receive a boost to your max health and ammo carrying capacity. Yes, the green goo in your brain will affect your ability to use gun it's like those you ever seen that like the that gif of like the feels guy but his brain is so big that it's like his own hot air balloon oh yep yep yeah it's like it's like that like your your brain just becomes like like your brain just like grows out of your head and stretches around your waist and just like becomes another like ammo holster that you can put ammo in yep it's great (laughs) uh it increases the size of your chamber Work with the feels guy brain. I mean, <laughs> you just add more cylinders. You add more cylinders to your revolver. 
But with the That's brain it. juice? Yeah, with the brain juice. That's how that works. All right. I'm not a uh, doctor, but that sounds right enough. Yeah, that's accurate. Uh, medically, medically sound, I'm sure. I spoke to a doctor once, and that makes me qualified. We were talking. We were talking about. Um, we've got the safe rooms. We've got kind of this this horror legacy that Shinji Mikami has established and continued with the Evil Within. We have some really tropey horror. We have a mishmash of horror elements. Um, this. Honestly, like, if you didn't know better, this would sound like kind of a just a messy game, and I think it is a, like it is a little messy, to be uh -huh. fair. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good word for it. I think it's good. I like it a lot, but I a hundred percent agree. But I think you also need to come into it and be prepared for it to be a little messy and a little bit a little bit wonky at times. But it has it has some good stuff in there. Mm -hmm. So proceeding beyond, proceeding beyond the, um, proceeding beyond the hospital, um, and beyond the forest and the village, you get into kind of more areas. You get into some destroyed urban areas, all in the pursuit of trying to make it past, um, make it past, uh, or make it back to the hospital. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And in that process. And in the process of returning to safe rooms, uh, you begin to notice maybe not everything is right here. Uh, things are working in ways which they should not be able to and have no explanation for. And also, there's a dude with a safe on his head. And also there's a dude with a safe on his head. Potentially I... symbolizing some more just trauma stuff. Dr. Salvador walked so that Safe Head could run at you with a knife. Yep. Uh, Pyramid Head also walked so that the Safe... No, it's not even a knife. It's a big-ass hammer. Right, that's what it is. I couldn't remember, so I just kind of went with he's a got, knife. He's got the big-ass spiked hammer. Um, so Dr. Salvador and Pyramid Head fucked, and they had Safe Head. Great, yep, that's exactly what that is. Oh, there's definitely, like, someone out there was, like, making porn of that in, like, 2004 and being like, dude, this is so edgy. Ah, uh, thanks for making me think about that. You're welcome. Oh, Christ. I remember when I was young, I, did, I didn't really know much about Silent Hill 2, but I remember there being a lot of jokes about Pyramid Head having sex, and I was like, there's no way that happens. And then I found out that, like, the first time you encounter him in the game is him sexually assaulting someone. <sighs> Video So it games. turns out the Pyramid Head did do sex. Ah, uh, really games. badly. Just really badly. Great. Excellent. Um... Alright, I'm gonna, I'm gonna steer us back on topic and away from Pyramid Head. Yeah, it's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> let's get as far away from Pyramid Head as we can. Yeah. Uh, let's also let's, get let's as start, far just away like, just from... Like, just like James What's-His-Face in Silent Hill. We're going to get far away from the safe man as well. And honestly, like, not the most interesting part of that game. Um, it makes for some... Like, the safe man makes for some tense moments. And there's some really good, like... There's some really, really good tension in, in the... Uh, like portions of the game where you have to fight him and he can respawn from like different safes that are present in the room. Um, 
I, he's, I also he's... I also just love his design. I I think it's simple, but it works so wonderfully. Oh, totally. Shinji Mikami has this knack for really simple classic designs. I it's it's again kind of like almost nodding to that legacy. Um, just the just the pure simplicity of that. Like the, it kind of harkens back to the PS2 era of like you had to you had to be simple because things were things were limited. Uh, and even in an area where even in an era where you have higher fidelity, you can still kind of keep things simple and it still works. I mean, like just speaking more broadly from a game design perspective, you could also look at stuff like Overwatch. Overwatch mm-hmm. is a great example of, oh, hey, this like really simple animation style. Fortnite, also a great example. Hey, this really simple animation style and like graphics style. Now, looks great. We kept. I know it you simple. just said. I know you just said you wanted to get away from Safehead, but what if Safehead did Orange Justice? Okay. All right. <laughs> now, what if? What if? Okay. Ruvik. All right. Dabbed. Okay. Now we're cooking. Okay. Yeah. Now. Now we're here. What if Sebastian? Um, what if Sebastian lost? Is what I, is really what I want to know. What if he now, flossed what if, and, then, what if, and then and then said I miss. My, what if he flossed all and then like said I miss my daughter while he was doing it. Now what if um, Kidman did the Carlton? Now what if what if that happened? All right. Okay. I think I okay, think, great. I think, I think it would we... go a little something like this. Okay. Great. <laughs> I think it would go a little something like this. I can it, I can definitely see you and you're definitely doing it perfectly. Oh my god. Oh I my am, god. I I did stand up from my desk to floss. Oh my god. Sarah's doing the perfect Carlton at, <laughs> in a perfect Nicole Kidman cosplay. It's incredible, everyone. You have to see this. You can't, but you have to see it somehow. Please. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. God damn it. Okay. Okay. Uh, pulling on the reins a little bit. Yeah. Where did we leave off? We left off in the kind of destroyed cities. Yeah. Um, and we make our we make our way back to the hospital, um, fully kind of aware that something is not right here. We make our way into the basement, and now is where there's going to be major spoilers for everything in the Evil Within. From this point forward, I am going to ruin the evil within in its entirety uh so if you want to play this game do um it's really great has a great narrative um i'm about to talk about all the spoilery shit um so here's a kind of here's a tldr that is relatively spoiler free Uh um the evil within uses mental illness to initially frame its kind of story and then turns it on its head by saying, hey, actually, the people within this system were blameless, but the people with power, doctors and stuff who were doing unethical experiments, um, they were the ones who were the actual evil within that system, not the mental health patients. Huh, okay. Now, if that's a compelling concept to you, Please go play The Evil Within. 
Available, um, available now on all your PlayStation 4s and Xboxes and Steam, probably? Yeah, it's on Steam. Um, you have the option now to play it without the ultra-wide uh, format. The, like, you know, cinematic widescreen, 2351 uh, yes, aspect? The letter with the letterboxing. Yes. I highly recommend playing The Evil Within with letterboxing on the first time you play it. Uh, the reason for this is it generally lends to, lends itself to a tighter feel. Um, it feels a lot more constricted. It feels a little scarier. And it also is just more like visually interesting. I, I don't like 16 by 9 half as much as I like the possibilities for cinematography within um, 2351. Um and the evil within really does exploit all of that so i, I totally recommend playing it in the letterbox mode first now we move into so we're going to move into spoiler territory now so um thanks for thanks for listening etc uh sarah will probably be back let's spoil everything in the evil within let's spoil everything in the evil within so another another twist in the layer to the evil within is that none of it is you, you mentioned a paprika like shared kind of dreamscape thing uh-huh yeah it's it's that none of none of what you had played through uh except for the initial bit where kind of rubik appeared behind you that was the last thing that was real so uh-huh. i would i would actually like to errata my statement um Paprika-esque describes the function, not the form of the machine. The machine is more alike in form to that arc in Yu-Gi-Oh! when everyone goes into the virtual world and they get stuck there and have to fight the big five. And everyone's it's actually in like, more more like the Matrix. I was gonna. I was also gonna point to a, like the the sleeping tubes at the start of Alien that everyone's waking up from. I think it's most similar to the Matrix. I feel where you are immersed in a liquid. Um, I yes, don't... that's right. Okay, sorry. Yes, like the Matrix, like the, like yeah, the before, like before, before you wake up. Yeah, exactly. You're immersed in liquid uh, and hooked up to the hooked up to the machine. Um, this machine system is called STEM, uh, and STEM has been kind of controlled and corrupted by Ruvik. Uh, he puts you into STEM after knocking you out in Beacon Mental Hospital and has been... He, he, decided that he, he thought that your arts career was not really taking off, so he pulled some strings behind the scenes and uh, moved you into STEM. Yep. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. That's a great joke. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um... So he, Ruvik is a doctor, or was a doctor at Beacon Mental Hospital, and there are news articles that you can find throughout the game which indicate his kind of, like, history of, um, like, patients disappearing, um, and he was the evil within the system. He he created and abused STEM, he did unethical experiments on mental health patients, and generally like betrayed that trust uh, that a patient puts in their doctors uh eventually this this and past trauma involving his sister um laura 
uh, who perished in a barn fire when they were a when they were children. Um, mm-hmm. In a in a sequence that you you can like you play through in part. Uh, you walk through this like this field of sunflowers. Oh yeah, this scene. This scene was really fucking good. Yeah. So the sunflowers the sunflowers start moving in unison, right? I think so. Yeah. And they they appear I mean, sunflower, in several places. Sunflowers paces. do that naturally, but yeah, but they they also appear in other places like prior in the Evil Within as well. Yes, that's right. Uh, it's like it's like that. It's very much like that. Um, it's like uh, did you ever read? Did you ever read or watch Catch Twenty Two? No. Throughout the entire novel, you were like teased with these sort of snippets of the death of a character that happened before the start of the book. This character Snowden, mm-hmm. like there are these snippets, and then like at the very end, you get like the whole story about Snowden, how he died, what it taught the main character Yosarian. <laughs> but up until then, you only get like those little visages, those snippets and such. Yeah, but yeah, the stuff like that appears all over the place. Stuff like the mental hospital, for example, in the first, in even in the first chapter, it's in a location that literally has no correspondence to where you were previously. It's a thing that you won't notice if you weren't paying attention. You just see the hospital and think, oh yeah, that's that's where I need to go. That's not a problem. But if you look at the if you actually look at the surrounding environment, it doesn't match where you just were. Um, there are hints the entire time that what none of what you are seeing is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and the evil within plays with unreality in really interesting ways. It, it literally bends the rules of what is what is possible, both physically and like just in terms of shit that can happen. Um, like Ruvik's abilities being hyper exaggerated, for example. Like that stuff is is all just simulated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like Dark Souls two in that sense where it like you move through locations in ways which are physically impossible mm-hmm. um but they make sense in a dreamlike structure which is what ruvik has kind of constructed over time um leslie is just trapped in there with you um and he he's he's aware enough to try and drive you towards the source of the evil uh-huh uh, and he he's like very constantly shown to be like this really cool like redemptive character. He's not he's not like he's not a he's not crazy. Oh! He's actually just like a very very scared young dude. Yeah. Who doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, extremely not. Yeah. Because no one's and, bothered to fucking tell him. Yeah, no, nobody's nobody's bothered to fucking tell him, and Kidman is up to some shit. Um, she thinks that Leslie's behind it, but no, it's it's none of that. So you get you get some really great sequences with him, um, and you get some really great sequences as well with the safe rooms. Remember how we mentioned um, we mentioned the safe rooms have this musical cue. Right. Uh-huh. Every time you hear that musical cue, it indicates safety, and you hear it both outside of the area um, where the safe rooms are, um, before you look into a mirror and head into the safe room. You also hear it inside the safe room until 
one very late game sequence. When you arrive in the safe room, but the music has stopped. All the lights are off, and monsters roam the hall. That's and you're good. just left there in this really, really quiet room. A space that was once familiar to you, and that you felt safe in, has now been invaded. It's one of the coolest moments in that game. I cannot believe how well that works. It's it's so good at creating this musical association with safety, and it does it for so long that when it eventually just drops it, it hits you like a truck. It's great. It's really good at horror. The Evil Within is really good at horror moments like that, where it builds up all these subtle things. Like remember how I mentioned there's like these hints that mm. something isn't real the entire the entire time when you finally find out it hits you like a truck and it all just makes like it all comes together and begins to make sense it's really like shockingly good storytelling it's not the like sort of thing i would expect from a horror game i don't expect super great storytelling out of out of a horror title generally i think it's kind of it, it, i th is it fair to say is it fair of me to say that i think generally the expectation of horror is kind of like dumb gross fun you don't expect it to be super cerebral so <laughs> you just asked me a question that i am for once in my life very well equipped to answer are you Excellent. familiar with the concept of body genres um no i am not Body genre is a term, uh, I believe it was coined by Carol J. Clover, who, um, was, who was also responsible for uh, the, the, the concept of the final girl. What, basically what a body genre boils down to is a genre of film that gets a, that gets a physical response out of you. And, uh, like, like an actual, like, physical reaction. And the three that are, t the, the, the body genres that are pointed to are horror, uh, erotica, comedy, and melodrama. And it's why those, those four are so often the butt of jokes. I mean, pornography is a little bit of a different reason why it's the butt of jokes, but I digress. But, um, like, as term in terms of, like, genres, comedy is, like, you, you so often hear about, like, oh, this is, like, a good comedy. When you hear, like, in horror movies, like, no one has really high expectations of those. The exception maybe being melodramas. I feel like as I have grown up, the world around me has grown to accept melodramas more. Mm. Um, but they are, they, these genres are considered of lower quality than the hot, than the non-body genres that that do not elicit a physical reaction from from its viewer. Right. Um, if you if you want if you want to read if you want to read more, I recommend reading Carol J. Clover's uh, "Her Body Himself" genre in the slasher film. I think that stuff's really interesting. though. like, um, I think horror and comedy and all this stuff alike has this. All of these body genres have this great potential for um, being an unexpected venue for for such like storytelling and stuff like brooklyn 99 is my favorite fantasy show <laughs> yep yep yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um it's my favorite fantasy show it's a comedy that also has something to say um it poses a world in which things have consequences it mm -hmm. is like 
this really pleasantly constructed thing. Like the evil within is kind of that for horror. To me, it is, it's this thing that is very unexpected. It's pleasantly constructed. Uh, it takes elements that viewers may be familiar with from other, from other media and it gives it its own unique spin and does does things that are interesting with it that interesting and subtle with it that eventually just culminate in some really really fantastic moments like the safe mo the um the safe moment and uh the moment where you realize that you are in this in this machine world effectively mm -hmm. um you do, and then you know you undo it, and you save you save the day, and uh, Ruvik is done and dusted, and there's definitely not some creepy religious symbolism uh, in place that definitely also pays off in the Evil Within too. Definitely not all there. Um, just yeah, there's there's a lot of really weird, interesting storytelling going on in a game that seems disparate. And like it's just aping other things without anything of its own to say. It can t like on the surface level totally seems like that. When you dig a little deeper and actually give it a go, uh, and play it all the way through, like that. I think that's the thing as well. You do have to play it all through for this to pay off. Um, and it's not terribly and... long, is it? I recall it being maybe like a fifteen-hour playthrough. Yeah, I think... Let me check my... So that does make this the longest piece of media that Fear Baiting has covered and probably will cover for a while. Way! Uh, I have 19 hours logged, but I did start a couple playthroughs, so I'm going to conservatively say 16 hours. Sure. Um, for for a game standard, not a terribly long um, experience. Yeah, especially in this day and age, I hear a 15-hour game, I'm like bite-sized little treats like anything like if i find if i play a video game and it is less than 20 hours i'm consider i consider it like i consider it small at this point and right. i appreciate that like ugh, so many games are so fucking big i i've been playing god of war on and off for the last couple of months and it's a good game but like at every step i just always like think about how much of more of the game is in front of me and i feel worn out so the how long to beat for this uh, is clocking in at 16 hours. Nice. So that's uh, that's a nice little little bite-sized treat for sure. Um, it's it is a chunky piece of media. Um, there are definitely some bullshit fights that uh, are along the way. Like this is not a this is not a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. This is a game that is very imperfect it's a very slow burn um but i think it it pays off in really interesting ways um looks gorgeous the entire time as well like i i absolutely adore the camera work and the subtleties that go into this game um just overall it's really fantastic yeah i remember liking the let's play that i watched of it a lot and I, one of these days, I want to go back and play it on my on my damn by my damn self. I think yeah, I think it's worth like experiencing for the first time. 
I think it's worth experiencing, like, with this knowledge even. Like, if you've listened to this point and you still haven't, like, you haven't played The Evil Within, but you listen to all the spoiler stuff, I still totally recommend, um, I still totally recommend playing this game. Because you, there's a lot of stuff that I have obviously missed that is really cool and really tense and interesting. Um, but a lot of the super cool stuff that I really want to focus in on is, like, stuff that happens deep into the narrative stuff that is like um how again the like the true evil within was abusers holding holding their power over the powerless um like that that's the sort of stuff that i think is is really interesting as a as a takeaway from that game but it's stuff that only comes and makes itself apparent towards the end when everything is kind of coming together. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skew ratings on this one because I have not seen that game in about four years and I feel like it'd be weird to rate the video game having given that. But you can rate the video game if you want on a scale of zero to five. Uh, does he have the, is, does he have the burnt picture of his daughter in that game or is that not until the second? He does. Uh, he does, I believe. On a scale There's... of zero to five burnt pictures of your daughter, how many burnt pictures of your daughter are you giving uh, the evil within? Well, I'm giving five burnt pictures of the daughter, obviously. Um, but, you know, you know, Sebastian has to have something to remember his daughter by. And there, speaking of which, there's, like, all the deep lore that sets up the evil within 2 is also, like, in articles and stuff that are within this game. Like, all of the stuff is there for the storytelling of this game and 2. So it's, it's like, a really tight package, these two games. Um, they really knew what they were doing. Um, yeah. In terms of, I, I guess, a more like traditional zero to five rating, because obviously, again, we need Sebastian to have something to remember his daughter by, so we're going to give him as many pictures as possible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, for a more traditional rating, though, I think I I would give the Evil Within pretty easy four. It is absolutely one of my favorite horror things like ever to exist uh it does interesting things with the genre it is not without its flaws um but it's still something that i can damn near unconditionally recommend to any fans of horror who own a playstation 4 xbox one or even previous gen consoles there's actually a release on ps3 and xbox 360 um or pc if you have one of those platforms, uh, I can damn near unconditionally recommend this game. Again, with the caveats that it is a slow burn. Please give it time and, uh, you know, be forgiving of its introduction of the tropes and allow it to subvert them later. I think that is the best advice I can kind of give about this game. Uh uh, recommendations. Uh, Jess, do you have anything to recommend off the dome? If not, I can go first and then you can think of something. Uh, I would like to recommend... Okay. I I would like to recommend... Is this anything? Anything. This can be anything? Yeah. It doesn't have to be a horror thing? No, not at all. Okay. I recommend journaling. Hell yeah. This is... Um, it's a thing that I've picked up again recently after being in the bad habit of not journaling and um i have liked it 
I've liked having a space to put various thoughts and pictures in without having to worry about like, oh, if, if I post this on Twitter, is this going to make my location too like obvious? Uh, do I really need to share this? Uh, it's a whole fucking thing. And I just, sometimes you just need to write a thing and get it off of your mind. And a journal is really good for that, as it turns out. So I would like to recommend that. And I also recommend making your bed. It actually feels super good to do that. Oh, yes. Making your bed is, is making, the thing is that making your bed is like, (laughs) it's such a dumb thing. Make, like no, no, it's no, such it's a like, dumb thing like, that we forget to do because the we're quali- adults. The quality of making your bed is not strained, it, but it is. It swings. But I don't fucking remember the quality of mercy speech. I was gonna make a joke about, but it, it making your bed being twice blessed because it feels good when you do it, and then it feels good when you get into bed for the night. Yeah, it's just like it's it's such a dumb thing for me to recommend. It's this thing that we, like, do as children, and we then become adults, and we're like, ah, fuck that noise, I'm gonna be messy and keep my environment super messy, because I don't have anyone kind of holding me accountable to that. Um, It turns out that holding yourself a little bit accountable and doing things like making your bed is a good thing. It Uh, is. I'm gonna hold myself accountable and fucking make dinner tonight. Woohoo! I gotta make dinner for the flat. I'm gonna... I'm going to die. What do you recommend? What am I recommending? Hmm. I am going to recommend... Uh, you know what? Uh, let me pull up my Spotify. Let me see what I've been listening to lately, because I definitely have a recommendation in there. How y'all feel about emo music? Because... I mean... I I think the Hotel Years, Home Like No Places There, is a... Pretty good album. Um, I'm not listening to it too, to it too much right now, but I was doing some pretty rough emotional turmoil uh, in the last month or so, and that album Ooh. was kind of my rock to hang on to. And yeah, I feel you. It's a really good album, and I think that you should, even if you are not going to listen to the rest of it, I think that you should probably listen to In Framing, because that song bangs. Uh, uh, if... If we're also making musical recommendations, you've actually just reminded me of one other thing that I can totally recommend. Um, If you like electronic music even vaguely, I highly recommend Blank Banshee's uh, discography. Um, Traditionally, I guess, like, you'd think of it as Vaporwave, and it uses a lot of, like, retro technology in ways that are, like actually musically sound and interesting it's not just slowed down like slowed down like the eagles or whatever i don't know what vaporwave is anymore it's just it it seems like largely just slowed down shit where this is something where it feels significantly more transformative so i i recommend that Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. So uh, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It was a genuine It was a genuine treat to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, where, where can people find you online? Yeah, okay. So I should plug my shit. Um, you can find me online at tealqt.com, and that's got links to my Twitter. It's got links to, to my be, stream. To be clear, that is T-I-E-L, then the letters Q and T. That's correct. Not T-L-C-U-T-I-E. Um, yeah. Um, there you can find me 
like literally everywhere that's got all my it's like effectively an online business card for me it's great um you can find all my work there though uh you can also find me at is this episode going up this monday yes okay this week you can also find me at twitchcon from september 28th to the 30th poggers 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 Clappa, clappa, poggers. Here's the irony. I don't stream on Twitch because Twitch is a toxic hell soup. Um, But I'm going to TwitchCon, uh, and it's because I'm with the OBS team. So uh, I'm going to be at the OBS booth. You can come say hi, uh, and I'll I'll be there all weekend. Um, I'm there Friday morning, and then I'm there probably all day Saturday, Sunday. Hell yeah. Uh, enjoy TwitchCon. Um, Thank you. If you want to find us, we are Fearbaiting everywhere, including on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Fearbaiting. $1 is ostensibly it lets you get bonus content, but we haven't done any of that in a little while. Uh, still kind of working on it. Uh, but that does help you. That does help us out. Uh, 5 bucks a month lets you get shouted out on the show and you get a message read. 10 bucks gets all that other shit, plus you get to make us watch a movie of your choice. So thank you very much to Michael Kaiser, Paul Moran, Kit Spindler, Paul Bechtel, Ducky Aisha. Uh... Um, blah, 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 blah. If you want to find more of me, you can listen to the other podcasts that I do on the wonderful NoiseSpace.xyz network. These podcasts include The Wonder Years, which I do with editor of this podcast, Blair, and musician of this podcast, Seda. Thank you very much, Seda, also for their incredible music uh, that is, serves as our intro and outro theme. You can find her work at people uh, under people you meet outside of bars, or you can just go to gaygothvibes.online. You can also find me on Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die, the leftism podcast for made for, by, and of the Terminally Online. Uh, if you want to find me personally, I'm at SunHatGenya on Twitter, S-U-N-H-A-T-Z-H-E-N-Y-A. And you can also um, look forward to us streaming these movies soon, because Schlocktober is right around the fucking corner. Next week, I'm letting y'all know this was a little bit of a poorly kept secret, because I talked about it with Blair on, on the Wonder Yorks, I think. Um... But we will be doing our last film before uh, uh, Schlocktober will be Paprika, Satoshi Kon's Paprika. And then we will launch full on into Schlocktober, which we will be streaming the movies every Friday night or Saturday night. That it's going to there and we'll put on a schedule. We've got the movies lined up. It's a fucking killer year. Our guests are going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a really, really good time. Uh, so if you have a friend who you think might be into the podcast, I think Schlocktober is always a great place to start because I think those are some of our I think those are some of our most banger episodes. Uh, and I think that's everything. Uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Fear Baiting. Uh, I, we'll see you next week. I'm Sarah. I'm Jessica. And remember... You can put a fucked up guy anywhere. Just night, anywhere. Everyone. You can put the fucked up guy anywhere you want, as it turns out. That's weird. <laughs> huh. Sorry. Fucked up guy. <laughs> fucked up guy over there on the left. Fucked up Talk guy over there on the right. Fucked Here up I am, stuck words. in the middle with you. Oh, Christ. <laughs> End this podcast. Bye. <laughs>